Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Continuing our focus now on the global 16 Days of Action campaign, we are raising awareness uh, about domestic abuse and gender-based violence and supporting the local women's refuge centres here in Louth and Meath. And today we are discussing something that has become more prevalent in recent times, coercive control. And I'm delighted to have Amanda Alti. She is the outreach team leader for Meath Women's Refuge and Support Services. She's on the line with me to discuss. Good morning, Amanda. How are you? Morning, Sinead. Thanks for having us on. Great to have you. Now, coercive control is something I only kind of started to hear about around COVID lockdown, but this is something which is quite a common experience for women who are reaching out to you. Yeah, absolutely. So nearly every victim or survivor that we work with uh, would have experienced some level of coercive control. So it's very rare to have other forms of domestic violence and abuse um, without coercive control. It sort of underpins um, all of the other types of abuse. Um, And you're absolutely right. We did hear more about this during COVID. Um, And I think some of that has to do with just the increased isolation that COVID Mm -hmm. brought on for all of us. Yeah. Um, That the isolation really stopped women from um, accessing their support, spending time with family and friends. um, And that really made it easier for abusers to be able to, to control their partners. Absolutely. And and do you find that this form of abuse is often misunderstood or, or, or overlooked by society? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, many people, I think, find it hard to believe that the person that they know to be kind and charming to them in public could be a completely different person at home with their partner. Um, So that kind of leads people to think that maybe the woman is lying or overreacting um, and not really telling the whole truth about her experience because that's different than their experience with with the abuser. Um, I suppose with coercive control, it also operates on fear, and yeah. everyone has a different definition of fear. Everyone's afraid of different things. So what I'm afraid of, you might not be afraid of, Sinead, mm. um, and vice versa. Um, and because of that, there really are as many tactics as there are stars in the sky um, when it comes to coercive control. Okay, so what exactly is coercive control then, first of all? So coercive control is a pattern of abusive behavior that's designed to dominate another person. And the key part of that is that it's a pattern mm-hmm. um, that is very difficult to, to recognize in an isolated incident. It's usually part of a much larger kind of constellation or, or cluster of events that um, that could be identified as coercive control. So an abuser will use coercive control through intimidating um, their partner blackmailing their partner, isolating them, um, humiliating them, degrading them, um, or even constant monitoring. And they do this to kind of break the will of their partner, uh, to brainwash their partner. And the overall goal is to take away the independence of their partner so that they can have total control. 
So so you've mentioned kind of some of them there. Just what would be the the, the red flags or the signs that this is happening? So um, because there are so many different tactics, the biggest red flag or sign is how the woman is feeling in the relationship. If she feels like something is, is off, something probably is off. Um, so many women that I've talked to have said that course of control feels like walking on eggshells, like they can't fully relax even when they feel like they should. Um, it's like if someone put a blindfold on you and asked you to walk backwards down a flight of stairs, that kind of level of anxiety. Um, it's not normal to be feeling um, constantly uneasy around your partner. Um, also, I suppose if you feel like you can't do anything right, no matter how hard you try, then it's probably coercive control. Um, and the thing with uh, with domestic violence and abuse is that the abuser could write you a book on everything you should do and shouldn't do, when you should do it, how you should do it, and you could follow it perfectly. And the abuser would still find something um, to, to be abusive about um, because it's not at all about the victim. It's about kind of keeping that control and putting their partner down to, to accomplish that. That's a really good way of describing it. First of all, I have the image now of someone blindfolded tr- trying to walk backwards down the staircase. But as you say there, you know, you could be do- literally doing everything that they want you to do to the to the letter and it's still not right. So everything from, you know, there's a, a lot of things that people might know might not know let's give kind of scenarios here like everything from controlling you know food calorie intake talking about weight controlling money controlling movement all of that sort of stuff yeah absolutely and i think um it's so important to recognize that it's so subtle so okay and it never starts on the the first date it starts very slowly um and then worsens over time so like if you think if you went on a first date with someone and they told you um, actually, I want to limit your calorie intake. I don't think you should be eating that. Um, I'm going to go through your phone and delete all of your male contacts. Um, also, I don't want you wearing makeup anymore. <laughs> You'd never go on a second date with that person. Yeah. Um, but it really does start very slowly and then gets worse over time. So an example of that might be um, if you're on a first date with someone and they tell you that you look beautiful. Mm-hmm. And then the next time you see them, you're not wearing makeup. And they say, wow, you're so beautiful without makeup. And then maybe the next time they see you and you are wearing makeup, they say, um, oh, you're actually prettier when you don't wear makeup. And then the next time if you're wearing makeup, then they say, why are you wearing makeup? Who are you trying to impress? So it's that kind of cycle. Yes, that's a really, really good way of describing it. I'm actually getting a message coming in on 0861800658. And this is a really important point. Can you ask your guest, does coercive control exist in all professions? Like say if a person is married to a a GP, a psychotherapist. Absolutely is what I'm going to say to that, I would say, uh, Amanda. Yeah, definitely. Um, And uh, again, I, I really think that an abuser will... Uh, they'll use their status and their mm. position um, in the community to enhance that course of control because it's much harder for a victim to feel like she'll be believed if her abuser has that level of status. Um, so absolutely, it can happen to anyone um, in any profession. Yeah, this is not class specific or anything like this. So, you know, we've talked about tactics, we've talked about uh, signs. What can friends or family do if they suspect that someone they love is a victim of coercive control? Yeah, so uh, domestic violence affects one in four women in Ireland, which means that most of us will know and love someone who's been affected by abuse, um, which means that we all have the power to be that support for someone who needs it. I think we often feel like, you know, that happens to other people, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. happen in my own life or not to anyone I know. 
Um, so it's really important that if someone does disclose that they're experiencing coercive control or any type of abuse, um, that we listen to her, um, that we believe her, that mm. we remind her that she's not crazy, um, reinforce that it's not her fault, even if she decides to stay. And that's a big thing. Um, yes. Give her information and support without telling her what she should do. Um, and remember that she might have limited um, access to resources. Mm-hmm. So I know sometimes it can be frustrating as a family member or a friend um, if someone you love is still in an abusive relationship, but it's so important to remember that um, that she needs to do this in her own time and in a way that's safe for her, and we can't necessarily dictate that for her. Absolutely. That is so key, Amanda. And I'm, I'm, thank you for bringing that up because, you know, from the outside looking in, it's all well and good, us judging and kind of, you know, but I think from yesterday reading out Michelle's story, Michelle um, kindly gave us her, her story to read out. And one of the things that struck me about that story was, you know, she explained that it did take a long time and that she didn't feel safe enough to reach out straight away. And fear is a big thing. And this is what happens with abusers. They keep the victim in a cycle of fear they keep them thinking that they're going out of their mind that they're imagining things and another key thing that you've said there as well and it's something that has cropped up and it's so problematic in in the media in terms of different court cases and trials where women weren't believed you need to believe the woman when she comes and and says this to you or, or or opens up in this way yeah yeah absolutely and in terms of legal protections or measures that can be put in place to address this, you know, what's the situation like there? So the Domestic Violence Act of 2018 um, includes coercive control in the legislation, which is amazing. And that was that was a huge win for victims and survivors of abuse. Um, so what that means basically is that if someone needs to apply for a protection order, a safety order, a barring order, um, they can now do so on the basis of coercive control. So that means that there doesn't have to be um, a level of, of physical mm-hmm. abuse. Um, and that also means that uh, coercive control is a criminal offense now. Um, now, even with that, one of the biggest barriers is, again, that it's so difficult to recognize without seeing the big picture and without seeing that entire pattern. Um, so women really uh, need to give kind of the entire history and show yes. the entire pattern for it to be considered course of control because that one isolated incident may seem harmless or non-abusive. Absolutely, absolutely. And this is where you guys come in. Talk to me about the supports available to those experiencing this kind of abuse and, and how can we combat this? Yeah, so in Meath and Lab, we have three uh, services. So I am from Meath Women's Refuge and Support Services here in Meath. Um, there's also Women's Aid Dundalk and Drahada Women and Children's Refuge. So um, the advocates here are experts in understanding coercive control and supporting women through this um, and helping them access uh, counseling and other services so we can help with that court process. Um, one of the one of the things that can be helpful for court is to keep a diary um, of different events that happen um, so that you can kind of mark the days where there was an abusive event Um, and uh, tips like that. That's the kind of thing that we can help with. We can help with putting together statements um, to kind of give the best opportunity for those court orders to be granted Um, and just really talk through and support through the entire process. Um, We would do a lot of safety planning around this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it can be very dangerous and very scary to take that step. So uh, so we would be supporting supporting women to do that. Fantastic. Um, and it's, Yes, go on, continue. Sorry, Amanda. Yeah, so um, we also, we are very non-judgmental. So we would never, I think sometimes there's a stereotype that if you access domestic violence, 
support services, you have to be ready to leave the relationship, mm-hmm. and that's 100% not true. Um, we can really support through um, any stage of the relationship. We will never force anyone to make any major decisions um, about about their, their situation. Yeah, so important as well. It really is. Amanda, I thank you so much for taking the time this morning to go all of, uh, through all of that information with us. Yeah, thanks, Sinead. Thank you so much. Amanda Alti, Outreach Team Leader there, Mead Women's Refuge and Support Services. All of the details of the phone numbers and supports that you need in the local area can be found on lmfm.ie. Oh, L-M-F-M. The 11 to 1 show.